This is our second week in this short sermon series that we're doing on the fruit of the Spirit, uh, looking at Galatians chapter 5. And if you didn't hear last Sunday's talk, uh, the intro to the series, then please jump on our website this week, snack.org.au, and find that sermon and listen to it. It was really, really helpful. Uh, But today, and for the next three Sundays, we'll be focusing on some of the specific fruit of the Spirit. We won't deal with all of them, and we won't actually do them in the right order, but it will be encouraging nonetheless. So please have 1 Peter 1 open in front of you uh, to help us think about this fruit of the Spirit, joy. And now we won't be able to say everything that the Bible says about joy, because it says so much about joy. The scriptures are filled with the language of joy. I wonder if you've noticed that before. You know, the psalm that we read out just before, it was full of joy. And that's just one of the psalms, and that's just one of the passages across the whole Bible that speak in such a way about the joy that we can have as God's people. In fact, all of, out of all of the fruit of the Spirit, I wonder if joy, as well as love, I wonder if joy are the, is the one fruit of the Spirit that just permeates the whole Bible. So hopefully, uh, with our time now, we can draw out a few encouraging and challenging things about joy. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you for such a great salvation that you have given us. We praise you for the cross of Christ and that he rose again to give us life. And we thank you that our salvation is a free gift of your incredible grace and that we don't earn it, but simply accept it by faith. And as we think about the fruit of your Holy Spirit, we thank you that he is the one working in us, first of all, to bring us to faith, and that he is now working us to bear the fruit of godliness in our lives. Please teach us tonight from your word about your spirit's fruit of joy in our lives. Amen. Now first, before we get thinking about joy, we need to remember what the fruit of the spirit is. We're doing this series on the different fruit of the spirit, but we need to remember what the fruit of a spirit as a whole, what it actually is. Otherwise, we'll leave ourselves feeling weighed down and guilty because we can't, we can't in our own strength, produce the fruit that God loves and desires to see in our lives. So cast your mind back to Galatians 5. Last week, Phil took us through that wonderful passage. And there we saw God's grace that we have been saved by the work of the Holy Spirit. God the Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, he's the one who's at work in us when we hear the gospel message. And he softens our hearts and he opens our eyes and our ears to hear the good news of Jesus and respond rightly. He awakens faith in us. So we can't boast about our salvation, can we? We can't even boast about our faith because it's the Spirit's work in us that does that. But God, he doesn't just save us then by faith, by grace, and then just leave us where we are. No, he saves us and then he gives his Spirit to us. And it's one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit, if not the main job of the Holy Spirit, to produce holiness in our lives, to make us more like Christ, to renew our minds and change our hearts and our attitudes and motivate our words and our actions. It's the Spirit's job to produce the fruit that God longs to see in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. This is what God desires, and it's what the Holy Spirit produces in us, his people. 
so that these characteristics are present and growing in our lives. And that alone should just awaken joy in us, shouldn't it? But we saw last week that this is a constant battle because we're still in the flesh. We still live in a sin-stained world, in a sin-stained bodies as we wait for Jesus to return and make all things new. And so the works of the flesh, sin in all its form, they still tempt and plague us. And we still stumble and need to keep confessing and repenting and choosing to then walk in step with the Spirit. We need to choose to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit that he is producing in us. So Paul, he puts it so wonderfully and beautifully in uh, Galatians 5 verse 25. He says, since we live by the Spirit, the Spirit has given us new life in Jesus. Since we live by the Spirit, we must also follow the Spirit. We must walk in the ways the Spirit leads us. And one of the ways that the Spirit leads us is to have joy. The Holy Spirit in us produces joy in us. But it's always worth asking uh, that we're on the same page when we talk about joy. So we need to ask, what is joy and what is it not? Uh, Well, the short answer to that question might be that joy is happiness. Being joyful is being happy. But happiness doesn't really capture it, does it? Happiness is kind of frivolous and short-lived. But joy, joy is something more steady, more constant, more deep. Joy is not simply happiness and like bubbly excitement. And so people talk about joy being a a contented satisfaction, despite your circumstances. And that's right. But sometimes people take that to the extreme. Sometimes we go to great lengths to say, oh, oh, joy isn't happiness. It's not exuberance. And so we end up giving the sense that joy is never happiness or delight. And you don't need to be happy at all to be a Christian. And whilst there is truth to that, We don't cease to be a Christian when we have struggles and sorrow. At the same time, there's a danger to that, isn't there? A danger that we as Christians, we we just settle for a kind of a flat, ho-hum positivity. And we call it joy. How How can that be joy? When the scriptures talk about a joy that abounds and overflows and exudes from those who know God. And that's why I think one of the best ways to describe joy is gladness and actually that's how the scriptures often define it often you see joy and gladness mentioned together to have joy is to be glad to be deeply contented and glad and delight in all that god has given us as his people and so true joy is steady and unwavering yes but then also it's still sometimes spontaneous and occasional True joy, to have true joy is to carry that sense of gladness with you always. But then there are times when your joy spikes, ignites and bursts into happiness and delight. And that's why I think one of the best ways to imagine joy is fire. Uh, Many of you know that I love a good backyard fire. Many of you have been to a a fire in my backyard. But let's think about that, a backyard fire for a moment. Think about the, the fire when it ignites. Joy is like a well-made fire. When that fire ignites, it's hungry and it starts to grow fast and it catches all the kindling and the flames rise high and it's exciting. And that's kind of like the joy of when we first become a Christian. But then as the fire settles and it creates a bed of hot burning logs and coals, 
Well, the flames, they settle down, but the heat is hotter and steadier and strong. And everyone enjoys its heat and warmth. It's like the joy of a mature believer at that point, constant and strong. But then if you fuel that fire, if you put a a stick or a log or a pizza box on top of that orange uh, hot coal fire, what happens? The flames suddenly spring to life again and they envelop and consume the fuel. They feed on it. And it's a bit like the joy we experience when we experience something really good in life. See, joy is like a well-made, well-fueled fire. So yes, joy can look different at different times. And joy can look different for different people, uh, on, depending on their personality. And we need to remember that so that we don't judge others when they express joy differently to us. But joy, that, it doesn't mean that joy is ambivalent or, or apathetic or even just kind of ho-hum positivity. No, it, it's deep gladness constant and steady, which then sometimes springs into great happiness and delight at the right time. But now we're starting to get ahead of ourselves. We've worked out what joy is, but what is joy in? What gives us joy? What should our joy be in as Christians? What's the source of our joy? And there's three things that the scriptures repeatedly show us that we should have our joy in. Three things that we have our joy in as believers. Three ways the Spirit bears this fruit of joy in our lives. But before we get to those three things, there's one more thing to say. So I've got a quick side point. It's a point zero today. Uh, Joy in the good things of life. Now there's all sorts of things that we can have joy in, isn't there? And that our world looks for joy in, in the good things of life, like good food and drink. Mango season is now upon us. And this is not the first time that I've shared my love of mangoes with you, the king of all fruit. Uh, My fellow mango lovers, you know what I'm talking about. Let's just say that mango feasting in the Munn's house has well and truly begun. Uh, Or, funnily enough, as I was writing this very part of my sermon, I was eating pizza. And I was delighting and taking great joy in it. Uh, Or you might find joy in being at the beach or somewhere outdoors. You might enjoy exercise if anyone enjoys exercise. Uh, You might enjoy music like I do, and that brings you great uh, comfort or some some other form of art. And it's true, isn't it, that family and friends, our relationships with others, they can give us great joy, can't they? And that's one of the reasons why COVID and lockdown is such a drag. But what does the Bible say about all of that? Is it wrong to find joy in all those things as Christians? In short, it is good to find joy in the good things that God gives. Scripture celebrates the good things that God provides. But the Scriptures urge us, make sure you give glory to God for those things, first of all. And second, don't let those things be your main sense, your main source of joy. Don't chase those things as your ultimate joy. Don't seek your joy in those things at the expense of seeking your joy in God. And this is what Paul teaches in 1 Timothy. Listen to 1 Timothy chapter 4. He says, For everything created by God is good, and nothing should be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving to God, since it is sanctified, made holy and acceptable, by the word of God and by prayer. 
See, God gives us these things to enjoy, but not to worship them or to, or to be greedy or to chase them as our highest joy. Because this kind of joy, joy in the good things of life, it's kind of like putting tiny little twigs onto a hot fire. Sure, it's kind of fun and interesting, but they quickly burn up and they don't really add anything to the fire. They don't create a heat that lasts. So don't misplace your joy and chase what will fade. No, real joy is found in these three things that we're about to look at. So where does true joy come from? What should our joy be in? Well, the scriptures tell us time and time again that true joy is found. True joy comes from our salvation. Who God is and what he has done for us. And we see this in the 1 Peter reading that we had before. So let's turn there now. Uh, Where do we see joy played out in these verses? Let's explore these words a bit. 1 Peter chapter 1. As we read this, the Apostle Peter, Jesus' close friend, he's writing to Christians spread out all over the place. And the first thing he says in verse 1 about them is that they are temporary residents. Their home is heaven, and so their joy should not be in the things of this world. Their joy should be in eternity. God gives us good things now, but we long for our ultimate, we long ultimately for our eternal home, the new creation. Our joy is there. And so you see that joy then flow out as he keeps writing. Have a look at verse 3. Peter says, Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, uncorrupted and unfading, kept in heaven for you. See, Peter wants to give praise to God and he wants to tell these Christians why. And it's because of the gospel. God, in his mercy, has sent his son to die for sin and then raise him back to life again. And it's through raising Jesus back to life again that God has given us new life. As we trust in the risen Jesus, we are born again as children of God. He gives us new spiritual life where he is now our father. And because we are children of God, well, by right, we have the hope and the promise of an inheritance, Peter says. A land to live in for all eternity. He's talking about his new creation, God's new creation. And this inheritance, this new creation, well, it doesn't perish or spoil or fade unlike the things of this world. The things we often seek our joy in. Unlike them, this inheritance can't be lost or stolen. It can't die because it's preserved for us in heaven. God himself will make sure of it. This inheritance is locked away safely in heaven, protected and sure in his presence, in his throne room. No one can take it from us. And Peter says in verse 5, look there, you are being protected too. Through your faith and by his power, God is protecting you, preserving you for that final day of salvation, the day that Jesus returns, the day when you receive this inheritance, eternal life in God's new creation. And now we get to the joy part. Because Peter describes the response of his readers to this good news. Look at verse 6. He says, you rejoice in this. 
you rejoice in your salvation. You rejoice in the mercy of God. You rejoice in Jesus' resurrection and the new life that you have in him. You rejoice in the inheritance, the eternal life that will one day be yours forever. And then jump down to verse 8 because look at how Peter describes their joy. Talking about Jesus, he says, You love him, that's Jesus, you love him though you have not seen him, and though seeing, not seeing him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Wow, what great verses. Now, Peter says that despite not seeing Jesus, they believe in him, and this believing, this trust in Jesus gives them an inexpressible and glorious joy. Not just a happy feeling, not warm fuzzies on the inside. No, they have a joy that can't be put into words. They have a weighty and overwhelming joy, a a gladness unmatched, unparalleled, incomparable. Why? Well, because they understand that through believing in Jesus, Through trusting in him day to day, they know they are working towards the goal, the goal of their final salvation, eternal life in that new creation at Jesus' return. So where is joy to be found for us? What should our joy be in? The Christian finds joy first and foremost in their salvation in trusting in Jesus, knowing all the spiritual blessings that we have in him and will have in him when he returns. This is a massively encouraging passage, isn't it? It's wonderful fuel for our joy. If you throw these truths, these truths of salvation in Christ, if you throw them like big logs on the fire of your joy day by day, well, they will ignite, won't they? And they will burn and they will feed your joy for days and weeks and months and years and into eternity. And we need to fuel our joy, feed it, with this good news of our salvation. We need to cultivate the Spirit's fruit of joy by knowing what a great salvation we have in Jesus. I hope you find it such an encouraging passage. But I also know that it can be a greatly challenging passage. Because how many of us in the modern church struggle to have joy like that? Or just don't feel like we have joy at all? let alone an inexpressible and glorious joy. Maybe for some of us, Peter's words feel strange and distant to us, or they feel guilt-inducing or condemning, because we know we don't have a joy like that. Especially at the moment where COVID and lockdown, they've done a number on our heads and hearts. Uh, They may have mucked up your discipline of daily Bible reading and prayer, and they have taken away our fellowship and our gathering, haven't they? And so if that's you, you feel that way, then you need to know, first of all, that you're not alone. All of us, at one point or another, will struggle with joy, struggle to have joy in our salvation. It's, it's a battle against our flesh, our sinful nature to have and to keep joy in Jesus. But here is the joy that's on offer for every Christian. Here is the joy that the Spirit wants us to grow in. Here is the joy that's the right response to God's amazing grace and the gospel of Jesus. We should have 
some sort of inexpressible and glorious joy in our salvation. And so it might be that some of us need to reclaim this joy that we've lost a bit of and maybe even repent and set our joy on Jesus again and maybe uh, instead of the things of this world and to make every effort to, to feed and fuel our joy with the knowledge of him who loved us and gave his life for us. So if that's you, I encourage you to do that and to ask for help. Pray that God might open your heart by his spirit and that his spirit might grow his fruit of joy in you. And reach out, open up to a brother or sister in Christ at church. Open up to them and begin to work through this. Ask them for their help and prayer. And if you want, uh, if that person could be uh, myself or Jana or Avril if you want, please just get in touch if you want. That's what we regularly talk to people about. It's not worth staying silent and so staying joyless. So that's number one. God's spirit grows the fruit of joy in our salvation. And it's actually this joy, joy in salvation, that's the basis for all our joy. Why? Well, because if we have joy in our salvation, then we will have joy in suffering and we'll have joy in others. Now, we're going to deal with these next two points more briefly. So let's think about point number two, joy in our suffering. And at first, it might seem like a weird thing to say. Suffering is bad. Joy is good. How can they be related? But for the Christian, the scriptures specifically tie together suffering and joy. How? Well, we skipped over those uh, few verses in 1 Peter 1 before. So let's turn back there and see now, how does joy and suffering fit together? We skipped the part before. The part we skipped before was in verse 5. So look there, 1 Peter 1 verse 5. Peter says, you rejoice in this. That's your future salvation. And then he goes on, though now for a short time, you have had to struggle in various trials, suffering, so that the genuineness of your faith, more valuable than gold, which perishes though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What is Peter saying here? He is explaining God's view of our suffering. Our suffering, whatever it might be, whether it be sickness or grief or pain or hurt or persecution, all of it has a purpose, a reason. God allows his people to suffer. Why? So that the genuineness of your faith might be shown and might be refined. Just like gold is refined by fire, your faith is refined by suffering. And your faith is worth far more than gold because gold can't save you, but your faith can. And it's as we suffer that our faith is shown for what it is. And it's as we suffer that we learn more and more what it is to trust in Jesus. To trust him with the circumstances that he's put us. To trust him with the promises that one day we will be free from suffering in his new creation. And so despite these trials and through these trials, Peter says the Christian can have inexpressible and glorious joy because our suffering is playing its part. It's growing our faith. And that doesn't make suffering enjoyable in any way, but it does mean that we can rejoice as we suffer, despite our suffering and even rejoice in our suffering because of what it is achieving in us. 
Our suffering can be a fuel for our joy. And it's kind of like putting a really, really big heavy log on the fire. Yes, it's big. Yes, it's heavy. Yes, it's going to take a while for the fire to deal with that. But in the end, it will be absorbed into that fire, won't it? And the fire will be stronger for it. In the same way, our faith, uh, as our, our suffering grows our faith and then leads to a stronger faith. That's how joy in salvation means we can have joy in suffering. But it also means, point number three and our last point, it also means that we can have joy in others. Joy in our salvation means we can have joy in other people. Now, I wonder if you've ever noticed this in the scriptures before. I wonder if you've ever experienced it in life. When your joy in Jesus and the salvation he gives overflows and you have joy when you see other people's faith and their growth in Christ. Think about Jesus' words in Luke 15. These are wonderful words. He, he tells the parable of the lost sheep that's found. And he tells the parable of a lost coin that's found. And then he says this, uh, verse 10, I tell you, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. See, there is joy to be found, true joy and deep joy when a person comes to Jesus for salvation. Because that person has come to know the same love and forgiveness and kindness of God that we know. Have you had that joy? The joy of seeing someone come to know Jesus. I pray that God would give that joy to every one of us as we invite people to meet Jesus and know him. And I hope you pray the same thing. But it's not just people coming to, to Christ that brings us great joy. Of course it does. But it's also people growing in Christ that brings us joy. And this is just what uh, Paul and Peter and John and the other apostles, they just ooze with this all throughout the New Testament letters. They ooze their joy in their fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And it comes up just over and over again as you read through those letters. But I have here just a few quick examples. So in Philippians 4, Paul says this about the Philippians. He says, So then, my brothers, you are dearly loved and longed for. You are my joy and my crown. And he says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, Remembering your tears, Timothy, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. Or listen to what the Apostle John says uh, to those he's taught in 3 John verse 4. He says, I have no greater joy than this, to hear that my children are walking in the truth, the truth of Jesus. This kind of joy, this encouragement from brothers and sisters in Christ and serving and loving one another and, and seeing other people grow in their faith and their godliness, it's kind of like putting a big, long piece of wood in the fire and then just throwing heaps of petrol on it. So it bursts into flame and it just burns long and high. Please don't do that for real, um, but I think you get what I mean. And God has blessed us. God has blessed us with one another for our joy and encouragement. And when you have joy in your salvation, well, then you have joy in the salvation of others. And your joy bursts into flame when you see people loving Jesus, coming to him, and then growing in him. Isn't that what, why we long to come back together as a church family? 
in just a few weeks' time, God willing, so that our joy might be fanned into flame. And that's why we want to be able to run the life course again, so that we might invite friends and family and anyone to come and hear the life-giving, the joy-giving message of Jesus. So as we finish up, it's good to do a bit of personal reflection on joy, to do a bit of a joy health check. How is your joy going? Are you cultivating this fruit of the Spirit in your life? Is your joy a well-fueled fire, fed by the joy of your salvation, the joy of your faith growing even as you suffer, and the joy of seeing faith in others and seeing them grow in Jesus? If it is, if that's how you're going, then praise God and keep fueling the fire. Keep, those, keep encouraging those around you and fueling their joy in Christ as well. Or if you know you're struggling with joy, as I'm sure many of us are, if that's you, then ask yourself, how do I need to repent? How do I need to pray? How do I need to add fuel to the fire of joy instead of chasing other joys in life? How will I grow in the way that God wants me to grow in joy? Well, whatever you need to do, well, let's all pray that we would be people who are growing in the fruit of the Spirit of joy. I'm going to lead us in a short prayer that Paul prays in Romans 15. Uh, So you might like to pray it out loud with me now. Let's pray. Now may the God of peace... Sorry, let's start again. Now may the God of hope fill us with all joy and peace as we believe in him, so that we may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.